Hello, and thank you for joining me on Ask Floss. It really means the world to me that you're here. Okay, let's get started with your first question. My boyfriend moved away to uni and became friends with a girl who developed feelings for him. She kissed him when he was drunk and told him she'd wait for him to break up with me. We're still together, but it breaks my heart every day and the anger doesn't seem to leave. They have no contact whatsoever, so I'm not sure what to do. Do I confront her or is it too late? That's really confusing because it's nothing that your boyfriend has done. It's someone lusting and desiring over him. I completely understand where all of the feelings of jealousy and betrayal and hurt would come from. I'm not sure if you know this girl, but it sounds like she's probably upset and heartbroken and she said she'd wait for him to break up with you. I don't know if he said anything to her or if that's just what she's said she's waiting for him to do. I would say unless that he is she is still in his life, I think it's it's your boyfriend's place to confront her and tell her and set the boundaries. It's on him to say this can't you can't continue to do this because I have a girlfriend. I would say it's on your boyfriend and not you to confront the woman. That's my personal opinion, is that he should be the person to say something and step in. Okay, on to the next question. How do I not feel embarrassed about intimacy? I still struggle with this one often. I think vulnerability, Brandy Brown always talks about how being courageous is directly linked to vulnerability because you essentially let other people, you're trusting other people with your feelings and you're letting go of the outcome. And I completely agree with her on that. Uh, Vulnerability is still really scary for me. I think it makes you human to be afraid of vulnerability. But we can end up putting up all all of these barriers, whether like physical barriers, whether avoiding people, whether pushing people away. Intimacy can be embarrassing and it can also be the place to create incredible healing. Whether that's sexual intimacy, emotional intimacy, sharing something with someone that you've never shared before. All of these are things that you should share with people that you trust. I think the way to be less embarrassed about intimacy is practicing it openly with someone that you trust if it's too scary to do with a romantic partner. Okay, on to the next question. Hi love, I love the podcast. I do have a question. I'm a queer woman, I guess pansexual, but I just vibe really. Good for you. And I have been with my boyfriend for three and a half years. Recently, he came out as bisexual, which I knew would happen eventually. However, we're trying to figure out what to do next and have decided to open up the relationship to consensual and ethical non-monogamy. My question is, how does a young couple navigate this best to maintain both the love we have for each other, but also our own wants and desires? Thank you. Well, just because your relationship is an open relationship doesn't mean that it's any different to any other relationship in terms of communication. Communication is the number one thing. You need to feel comfortable telling your partner when you're uncomfortable, what you're uncomfortable with, what you're comfortable with, what you're comfortable with him doing. And you have to be so honest about what you would feel comfortable with in terms of an open relationship because that can mean something different to everyone. That could mean kissing. It could mean sex. You might have a boundary with emotional um intimacy you might not feel comfortable with him going on dates with other men like there are so many layers to this and I just recommend listening to my podcast episode on it um on polyamory it's incredible it's one of the last episodes I did um I highly recommend listening to that episode um because I am monogamous but I just think that this sounds like a communication thing where you just need to be honest and put all of the stuff out in front of you and untangle it together. It's a team thing. It's not you versus him. Okay, on to the next question. Hi Florence, just a quick message to say that your podcasts have become part of my new self-care routine even though I didn't realise it at first. My girlfriend actually noticed it and said, wow, this is really helpful for you, isn't it? 
I've never had anything like this before, so thank you. Anyway, me and my girlfriend have been together for three years and I love her with my whole heart. We're two girls, 22 and 23, and my previous relationship, which was my first relationship with a girl, was when I was 16, was extremely abusive, both mentally and physically. Like, extremely. Obviously not saying I'm worse off than anyone. My question is, do you have any advice on how to deal with triggers within new relationships? I often find that when my girlfriend is upset or down or tired, I find myself overcompensating trying to make her happy because in my mind, if there's something off for even a slight second, I notice it and think I'm the problem. I seem to have developed this brilliant skill of reading people and knowing their intention... (laughs) This sounds like me, so funny. I seem to have developed this brilliant skill of reading people and knowing their intentions, but sometimes this gets the better of me because my mind is clearly thinking how I'm used how I used to. I'm sorry if this doesn't make much sense and that it's a very long message, but I'd be so grateful if you had any advice or even a type of explanation to help me realize why this happens. Thank you so much. Uh this literally I feel like you are literally describing me. Um my first relationship was very similar to yours, how you've described it. Um, and even like dating and seeing new people, it's been coming up for me in a way that in, it, it ex- almost exactly how you're describing with the reading people thing. It's great because you're intuitive, but you can be too intuitive and it can piss people off when you're constantly asking people, are you okay? How are you feeling? Have you done anything wrong? But I think that talking to your girlfriend and letting her know about this, she can reassure you in those moments. And I think slowly you will become more secure the more you realise that sometimes people are moody and it has nothing to do with you. And I know that um, it also comes from codependence, I feel as well, is wanting to fix and jump in and save everything. And then being the person that saves everyone and then resenting people for saving. And then you're back in that place of being like, I'm always doing this all the time. I'm always checking on everyone. No one checks on me. That was my thing anyway. Um, I definitely would, I don't know if you're codependent, but if you're, if this is anything like how I was, the book Codependent No More really helped me after my uh, abusive relationship. Um, and yeah, that, that book really helped me. I would just say this is totally normal. You have these embedded relationship patterns that are coming up with a partner who's healthy, that you're in love with. Um, and it's something that you should be able to voice to her. And I'm sure you do anyway, but I would definitely just tell her how you're feeling. Um, and I just want to send you love. And I'm so happy that you're in a healthy relationship now and that you're out of that space that you were in with the person previously. Yeah, I, I get the feeling, the thing that you're saying here about when she's down or tired, you're overcompensating. Ask her what she needs. Instead of giving her what you want or overcompensating, ask her what she needs. She might need space. And then you'll have to respect that, you know, when she's tired or whatever, ask her what she wants and then respond to that instead of assuming what needs to be done. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4. 
The Anthrax Threat, available now. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We're a new show breaking down the anime and pop culture news you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) And we agree on some things, but not on everything. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. Listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. What if you could become stronger, more resilient, cure disease, and all you have to do is get naked in the cold? And breathe. You get into ice water, and instead of like freaking out, you relax. It's called the Wim Hof Method, and Gwyneth Paltrow and Justin Bieber love it. I do the ice plunge because it's good for your body. But there's also a dark side. How many people have died doing the Wim Hof Method? We can override even death! Listen on the podcast Infamous. That's Infamous, playing now. Hi Floss, absolutely love your show and your Instagram always sends me fluttering to Spotify to steal all your song recommendations. Also, your tattoos are definitely an inspiration for my next ones. Absolutely stunning. Thank you. I'm in a tricky spot. I've never orgasmed with a partner, ever. I've had multiple partners and it's just never happened. I thought I had something wrong with me, so I've always faked it. Don't get me wrong, I love sex, I really enjoy it and it turns me on, but I just don't get that climax I do while masturbating. I'm now in an incredible partnership for almost a year and listening to your podcast always lets me know that I'm not alone, but I've no idea what to do. I really don't want to disclose to my partner that I've never orgasmed with him because it would ruin all trust he has with me. I feel really guilty to have been lying to him, but it's what I've done since I've become sexually active. I didn't want to let anyone down. Any help at all would be bloody amazing. Sending love. So this is so common. This is so common. And I feel, unfortunately, the only way... Well, not unfortunately, but it's because you've said you don't want to do it. The way to do this is by telling him so that you can work together as a team to get you to come. It's a team effort. Because if you're stressing in your head also about all the times that you faked it, you're going to be in that headspace. You're not going to allow yourself to relax. Your muscles won't be relaxed. Your head, you you might allow yourself to go to that space where you can even enter like the build-up to a climax. I would tell him and say, I'm not sure. And also, I think you're worried about him feeling it's a reflection of his performance. So you can tell him also, I can come on my own and then talk about how you're so stressed out and how you need to get out of your head. And then you can find ways together. It's a team effort, babe. That's all I'm going to say. It is a team effort. And I'm sure he would be even more upset to know that you are struggling with this and keeping it to yourself rather than telling him about it. Okay, on to the next question. Hey Flo, thank you so much for creating this podcast. I can't tell you how incredibly enlightening it's been and I've had so many, I thought it was just me moments while listening. My question is, I'm in a loving relationship but I still find my head can be turned and I start thinking, what am I missing out on by no longer being single? Particularly by one girl who I've always had a connection with but the stars never aligned for us to explore where our relationship could go for various reasons. Does this mean I don't love my partner? Do I have issues with commitment? 
I've never cheated on anyone before. I could never act on these feelings, but I know the feelings for my friend will never go away. Can you advise on what to do, please? I think it's perfectly normal to be attracted to multiple people. One of the um, podcast guests that I had on the show to talk about polyamory was incredible. And she said, attraction doesn't require action. And I loved that. And it's been in my head since because we can all fancy people, but it doesn't mean that you need to act on it. And also, like, my interpretation of monogamy has just also completely skewed. I think I had a very toxic idea of monogamy before, where it was like, porn is cheating, looking at other people is cheating. Every relationship has their own rules. Porn might be cheating to some people, I'm not sure. But there are different levels to this. I think it's silly to imagine that we're not attracted to other people. Um, Your feelings for your friend might go away they might not, but it is normal to be attracted to multiple people. I think it only becomes different when you start to feel like it's impacting how you feel about your current partner. That might be something different. Okay, on to the next question. Hi Floss, I'd really appreciate some advice. Me and my girlfriend broke up last night. There are no hard feelings towards each other and we hope to be friends instead. While it was her decision to approach the subject, she needs space to work on her mental health as well as a few other things. I completely respect that and her honesty, but while I'd love to stay friends, I'd like some perspective on how to go about this. I'm still in love with her and love her just as a person too and I feel I need help changing my mindset for us. Will it just take time adjusting? What's the best way to support her and be there for her without coming across that I'm trying to be her girlfriend still? I hope you've had a lovely week and I love your podcast. Thank you so much for this question. Honestly, talk to your ex. Ask her how she would like to be supported and then also consider your own needs. So you definitely need some boundaries there. Don't go over to her house and cuddle and kiss and then end up having sex because you're going to get stuck in the the, the breakup hookup loop. I may, may, Maybe your ex does actually need some space and doesn't want to hook up with you, but maybe your ex does and you can end up in a really weird ex-girlfriend situationship, which isn't ideal. Um, You need to talk about this together and talk about how to protect the connection so that it can be a long-term friendship. But I definitely think from hearing what you've said about being still in love with her, that you do need some space. That's absolutely what I would advise with that. Give each other space, allow her to be with her friends to support her with her mental health, you know, so you can ensure that she's safe and she's happy and she's got someone, but you also do not need to be that person. Breakups are really tricky, but I do think you do need space from her to heal. Okay, on to the next question. What are your red and green flags in relationships? Okay, green flags are consistency. If someone is consistent with me, if someone is consistently on time, if someone calls when they say they're going to call, if somebody shows up when I need them to show up, if someone is reliable and it's reliability over time, that's when I can trust someone. That's a green flag for me. That's the only way I can trust people. I can't trust people when I first meet them. I need to see a consistent pattern of behaviour, maybe even like over a few months or something to be able to know. Also, how people talk to others is really important. So like service staff, how they talk to my friends, how people talk to my assistant, how people talk to people that don't look like me. Those are some really good green flags for me. Red flags would be inconsistency, someone being hot and cold, someone making comments. Oh god, there's so many red flags. How my body feels when I'm with them. Does it feel anxious when I'm with them? Do I feel unsettled? Do I feel deflated when I tell them news about my life? Do they ask questions about me? All of this kind of stuff. Um, I actually have a list of red and green flags in my book, Women Don't Are You Pretty? And you can also Google some. Google is amazing for signs to look out for. Also, there's an incredible book called Safe People, which changed my life. 
So many great questions this week. Thank you so much for being here with me. And same time, same place next week. Can't wait. Love you. Bye.